almost can't stand to be this close and not go
All done pretending Got worn out by that some time back All done acting like I know you're real Jesus But I want to know the real Jesus And that's a fact I don't want to hear the words anymore I want to be the words I don't want to see your book I want to see your face I want to know the time And the grace that's left So that I don't waste one second of it, God be here, God be here. Some of your lives are deeply sorrowed right now. Offering thanksgiving to your God You think that makes no difference In the heavens As your DNA is finally becoming evident And the sound of your life is finally being present And God is speaking words that you've not quite heard But he'll speak it again until he sees you coming Crying, begging God God of life, be in my life God Teach me what I cannot see God Just the same 
For there's something wonderful That we've still yet to see And it's Jesus Christ walking on this earth Calling out my name and calling me to be free Can you hear this cry right now? Can you feel the world is crying in its sleep? Can you see something you don't understand? Wake up, it's all over now God's making what he never knew is clear And now we quite busy but God still waits for me even though I thought I was waiting on him I now realize he's waiting on me There's 10,000 words floating in the room, so it's <laughs> tough to tell which one God would like to attack first, but we'll see here in a second. There's a lot of things um, that are awakened in here since I was here last. A lot more has been awakened. Uh, you probably know that. I'm, I'm not telling you something you don't know, but maybe you need to hear it, and that's possibly why he's kind of going to pursue this for a bit. Um, I remember speaking to Michael about writing the songs that come from this house so that this place has its own DNA. It has its own sound in the heavens. It's called a voice print. And when it comes up to the heavens, it unlocks the blessing that waits over this house. Does that make sense? Uh, because it's the voice print of this house. And that is very important. Uh, it is important to God, at least. Um, and so though we do lots of wonderful things and, and worship is great, uh, it's coming uh, to a change. It's coming into a change, and it'll be the heart of those who sing unto their Father. It's not complicated. It's just that we're all weird about change. Anybody? And we try to change gracefully, and we don't. It's a real hitchy, bumpy thingy, and we kind of, ah, you know, I don't like that. And so when we get done slinging our opinions around, then we kind of get through it and suddenly change is upon us, because it's already actually happened, in case you don't know that. It's, the change has already happened. Everything God is going to do on the planet has already happened, quite honestly. We're just watching it come to pass. What's happened and what comes to pass are different from each other. You know that, right? You don't know that. So it's already happened. We're only just remembering it. That's what remember means, putting something back together that once got blown apart. Are you okay? I'm a little stunned, quite honestly, so maybe you are too. The presence is really stunning. <laughs> I've experienced this for a long time and I can't get over it yet. <laughs> I'm still not good, I'm still not good with it. It still knocks me all over the place, how about you? I'm still a mess. 
with God. I'm just like, hey, when can I get cool? You know? <laughs> I guess never. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, anyway, I think I have something important to say, I think. Uh, and so I'll, I'll kind of bumble into it if you're, if you're all right. Um, is this the time I should be watching that time thing? I'll, I'll pay attention. Okay, as long as I'm, I know what I'm paying attention to, I was, I was trying to be sure I wasn't paying attention to the wrong thing. Um, is that the time we have left on the earth, or is that the time? We... <laughs> That's my favorite, right? Uh, there's something that I may have spoken to you. I can't remember if I did, but I, but I do feel like it is important. If I did, I would say it again, but. It is something about our end times. Have I spoken to you guys about the end times here? Yay, no? Yes? Hmm. Uh, what happens to the word of God, if you can feel all of that, is it grows up. Does anybody know that? Like you can get one word, Jesus loves me. That's a good word. I love that one. But then when you really get down to it and you really look at that word, it'll grow up if you're not careful. And it'll grow up and get above you because that's what it's supposed to do supposed to get above me, and then I keep striving for it. I keep striving for that higher ground, thus, you know, lift me up to higher ground. That's the, the process of what's happening to all of us. And so every time I read a word, and I think I understand it, I say, yes, I have this, and then God says, yes, you don't actually have it, not all of it. And so there's more, and there's more. Somebody, everyone experienced that already, uh, where he grows up his word? Jesus did it all the time, Psalm 8 says, did you not know that from the mouths of babes, God has ordained strength to still the mouth of the avenger? I like that. And then Jesus comes along and says, here's what that scripture really means. Did you not know that from the mouths of babes, God ordained praise? So praise is strength to shut the mouth of the avenger. Anybody feel like you'd like to shut that mouth for a while? I wouldn't mind shutting that mouth, so openly praising him. And as Michael said earlier, the spontaneous part of praise, which is the Hebrew word tehillah, means deeply uh, spontaneously responding. Why would that be important to God for us to respond to him? Anybody? It kind of proves that you're not dead. Uh, that's the first one. Uh, that's the big one. That's why the Jews are moving. They, they serve a living God, so when they're praying, that's what they're doing because they're alive and their God is alive. Therefore, they never stop moving when they're praying. That's why you look at this room when we're worshiping. It is not sitting still. It's you know, arms are up and bodies are... <laughs> and everything is going because we are serving a living God and he is alive. And you think he's just sitting there all stiff because we're worshiping? It's the opposite. He's, I mean, we're just imitating what's going on in heaven, if you can hear that. And if you're listening, you are reproducing the sound that's coming from heaven. Am I making sense to you? And so really what this is, and if this is all going to sound funny to you, so get over it. You'll get over it. Um, for the prayers you're praying to actually be answered, someone must respond spontaneously to God in what he's saying. And that will come from praise. That will come from a conversation that God took over in the middle of a sentence. Has anybody noticed God do that before? 
you're talking away, yeah, the weather was nice, but then he spoke and said, and you're like, don't know why that just came out of your mouth. Does anybody have that? And then you look around and say, gee, I wish I'd thought of that. That was amazing what I just said. And so we often take credit for something God just decided to jump right in your face and take over. So, but that's what's starting to come. And the word between the word spoken and the fulfillment of the prophecy is getting closer together. And so a day is coming when it won't be finished being spoken before it comes to pass. It'll come to pass as it is spoken. That's called the purified tongue. When the tongue has been purified, then it has nothing with which it can say except what the Father says through it. Does that make sense? Now that all seems, you know, because we're so loose with our tongues, you know, in an hour from now, there's no telling what's going to fly out of this mouth. And so, you know what I'm trying to say. So how is God going to clean that up? I imagine he's got a plan. What do you think? Uh, and I bet that plan is probably very effective. Now, man, there's a thousand things I think I need to do. God, help me one. Would you just give me one of those thousands that will really actually get done what you want to say? Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody know that the God, our God, has a pretty amazing sense of humor? Anybody know that one? Yeah, I like that. What do you think Jesus was saying when he said, you know, you might want to remove that log out of your eye before you talk about your brother's problems, you know? That's a little bit on that. I like that exaggerating side. Sorry, I have a computer that actually works once in a while. Uh, this, I'm going to tell you something. And what's been happening to me as of lately um, is the Father's giving me one-liners, strange one-liners. Like, don't meet, um, don't meet unbelief with truth. I thought, yeah, okay, I got that one. Totally confused. I have no idea what he means by that. Uh, and so then I started looking at it, and he showed me the scripture where Jesus lied to his brothers. I know that will get people shot by saying words like that, but Jesus was in a, in a house. They were in Jerusalem. Uh, and the, his natural brothers were going up to the um, going up to the feast, and they said, "Jesus, why don't you go up to the feast? After all, you want to be famous." I'm paraphrasing, uh, because the scriptures say they did not believe in him. And he said, "No, I'm not going to go up to the feast. You guys go." And when they left, Jesus walked out the door and went. Jesus lied to them. Now that's a tough thing to hear, isn't it? But if that's the problem with truths. If you just take a blunt statement, you miss the entire point. And that's what legalism is. That's the law that we live under every day. It takes one point. He was speeding. He broke the law. No, he was taking his incredibly pregnant wife to the hospital as fast as he could. But we're not going to say that because you were speeding. You broke the law. Do you hear what I'm talking about? And so... What happens to us is that we're missing too much of what God is through our legalist personality. Anybody want to fess up to that one? <laughs> um, and so what Jesus said in reality, here's the truth. His brothers said, hey, why don't you go up to the Jerusalem? Here's the truth. I'm the son of the living God. I go wherever I want to, whenever I want to, and I'll say what I want to whenever I want to say it. That's the truth. You hear what I'm saying? 
But he wasn't going to meet that unbelief with that kind of truth. You understand what I mean? So there's no other option when you are besmirching the beauty of truth by putting it in the face of unbelief. Making sense? So what's the word? Did he lie or did he deceive them or did he just get nuts for a moment? Well, what do you think? Does anybody have an idea? Nice talking with you about that. It was really good. <laughs> so, the, um, so now, at any rate, that's just something to ponder. This is one of the few things God's been dropping on my forehead. I'm like, boy, this is probably not going to be cool to ever say that to another person. He said, try it sometime. See what happens. And so I liked the idea. I just thought, um, I don't know what to do with this, Father. And he just said, yeah, well, I'll get over it. I'll talk to you later about it. Um, we must understand that you contain, you hold something that is so precious in the, in the form of truth that only when the Father tells you who to speak it to do you speak it. Do you understand that? We keep spewing it out there, trying to shotgun our way through salvation. That's not working at this moment. It is the heart he prepared to hear his word that he will give you at the moment you need to give it. And that will actually change a life, and it'll change it instantly. It won't change it in six years. It'll change it now. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And that's what I need is change now. So the scriptures speak about a thousand years, and so is, is as a day to God. And so I asked the Lord, how long would it take for the whole body of Christ to really come into alignment with you? And he said, a thousand years. Ooh, I thought, man, we ain't got the time. So I'm probably not going to see that, right, in my lifetime? Is that what we're talking about? Um, and he said, showed me Psalm 90 that says, a thousand years in your sight can pass like one watch of the night. That means in one watch of the night, God's going to change a thousand years of church history in one watch of the night and turn us into that glorified bride he's been talking about in his word. That hurt your feelings yet? I'll work on that as we go. Now, this is a word that is fully meant to be encouraging, I hope. Um, is everyone aware of the four horsemen of the apocalypse? You're aware of that? Everybody know what I'm talking about when I say that? But in keeping in mind the word apocalypse means destroy, destruction, you know, devastation, so on and so forth. We put the word apocalypse in the Bible. It's not in the Bible, by the way. God didn't say that. We did. So he might not actually be destroying the world with the four horsemen. Am I, am I making sense? And so I'll, I'll try to make sense out of this. And it, it made sense to me. It doesn't mean it will you. So don't get nuts. Um, Bob Jones... Uh, in 2013, September 28th, had a word, which he's pretty frequently would. Um, and the word was that four uh, judgments were coming on America. Is anyone familiar with that word at all? You are? About the four judgments being anxiety, fear. Oh, I love my thing when it does that. It just disappeared. Isn't that great? Um, anxiety, fear. Isn't that funny? You just went away, didn't you? Your little dog meat. Um, hmm. 
It's not going to do it for me. I love this new thing. At any rate, what I was just looking at disappeared, and it is in some cyberland. Um, does anybody feel that way sometimes? Like this is just a cyber attack of some sort. And so, all this aside to say, now don't do that again, please. Thank you. Um, anxiety, fear, depression, and panic were the four things that were coming on the nation. Uh, and anxiety, obviously, probably already is here, correct? Uh, fear, yep, probably. How about depression? That's wearing us out. Uh, panic, anybody like to own up to some panic yet? Um, it's all kind of here, isn't it? So these things are not coming, they're actually here. How they manifest, now, here's a, one of the trade secrets of it is, that's not supposed to be happening to you and me. Am I making any sense? So yeah, I know we get a little panicky, yeah, da, 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 you know, future, future, I wanna know the future. You know, you might wanna get over that one. You know what I mean? By that, the only way you're gonna get a hold of the future without Christ is a fortune teller, and you'll go down Saul's road pretty fast. So, so those are the four things that are coming uh, on the, on, in, to the United States. Um, probably the whole world, but he was mostly referring to the U.S. at that time. And then um, I began to ask the Lord, okay, I, you know, I'm, Bob took me aside to give me that word, and I said, you know, are you saying that because I have some part in this or that I need to understand something? And the Lord leads me immediately to Revelation. Revelation 6, in fact, um, and it starts out, 6, verse 2, with the four horsemen. And I said, whoa, what does that mean? So I said, and I'll read this to you, and this is uh, Revelation 6, uh, 2 through 6. And I looked, and behold, a white horse, uh, and its rider had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he came out conquering and to conquer. So I thought, that's the anxiety. Because the white horse is going to come and kill us all. The Lord said, wrong, got the wrong interpretation. So I sort of, turns out the white horse means purity. So the Lord is sending an attack of purity to the body. And the guy turns out to not actually be carrying a bow, but a rainbow. That's the actual translation is rainbow. So he's carrying the promise of God, which is, I will purify my bride. That's what he's saying. Conquer doesn't mean kill. It means to take captive. So what's really happening is the Lord is sending, and he puts a crown on his head to boot to give him authority with which to do it. So he sends purity in the form of a promise to take the body to himself. Hmm. Kind of blows the old kill everybody theory, doesn't it? Maybe that guy got out of the apocalypse trick, right? Do you see what I'm, what I'm trying to get at is that we're too frequently going to jump to the worst possible scenario we can. That's the scenario we got to get off that page as believers. Oh, here comes the white horse. We're all going to die. Actually, we're all going to come into a place of purity. The word purity means cathart, means to cry. It means literally to cry. The Greek word is katharsmoso, however you say it. I might be saying that right, you don't know. Um, so ultimately, what's coming to us is a promise on a white horse. I like that, don't you? 
I feel pretty good to you. And why would that cause anxiety, says I to my master? And he said, you don't think the world is going to get a little funny when the church begins to awaken to the purity that God has called it to? They're going to get quite anxious over that. How many know that, I mean, on a daily basis, we're getting one law after another that loosens the hold of morality that's on the hearts of every human. Every whatever, every so often, it just keeps coming. Another law, let's loosen this more, let's go deeper into that stuff. Is that correct? And that's been happening. But there's a white horse coming. And this here, in fact, years ago, there was a movement in the body of Christ called Wait, Love Waits for young people to stay pure before marriage. My, do you remember that move? That's when this began. That's when the white horse was released. That was years ago, folks. We're deeper into the end time than you think, than we think. So, are you okay? All right. Uh, the red horse is next. And that's in, uh, that's in Revelation 6. And he says, When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Come, and out came another horse behind uh, a bright red, who was bright red. Its rider was permitted to take peace from the earth so that people should slay one another. You think peace has been taken away from the earth at this time? Does it sound like people are slaying one another on a regular basis? It's pretty, pretty much gotten there, hasn't it? That's the red horse. Now, one of the things that I missed, it said, and he was given a great sword. So I kept thinking, okay, God, how are we going to make a good thing out of this? You know, because that's fear. The red horse equals fear. Bob's word for fear. Uh, and he's just said, the great sword. Did you notice that? He's talking about the word. The great word of God is going to be driven into the ground and establish one solid place. Nothing can change what the word of God is establishing at this hour. There's a line being drawn in the sand, so to speak. Does anybody feel that coming? You don't think that'll create some fear? It already has. Because the problem with you and me is we know one thing the living God. He's a problem if you want to slip off into immorality on a regular basis. God is a problem because he doesn't have, oh, well, that's okay, program. Do you know what I mean? He's got one thing he does. He stays in one line. Exactly what he wrote, exactly what's in his word, and exactly what it is. It stays there. It doesn't stop moving anywhere. We can have 10,000 more translations. I welcome them all, but they're all going to wind up saying very much the same thing because it's the word. The word is the word is the word. Is that correct? Anybody on that page too? You okay with that? That's going to create an awesome fear upon the planet. Nobody is going to, um, nobody's going to like that idea. And the great sword will not be moved. It remains the great sword. Hmm. How much has been pushing against that as of late? The word of God can't be taken literally. Okay. What are we going to take it as? Where are we going to put it then? You see what I mean? Stick it over in fiction? Is that what we're trying to say? You see what I mean? How many centuries and centuries have we been 
looking at this book. Has it been uncovered yet? Has it been completely unlocked? Obviously not. But then if it's not been unlocked, what's not unlocked? You see what I'm saying? You get them, I mean, this is called dig, people. Go after God with everything you got. And I'm going to say this over and over. Go after God with everything you got. Dig into his word until you can't stand to not know what it's really saying to you. And ask the king, what is this saying? What does this say? Ask him. See what he says. He will tell you. He'll tell, if he tells me, I'm a musician. <laughs> are you dreaming? He told a musician something. <laughs> you know, you lose your head or something. <laughs> he will tell anyone who asks him. Ask, what does it mean? We're always waiting for someone to tell you what it means. I, I'm not telling you one thing you shouldn't be checking out for yourself. And if you find something about this that you don't like, hey, go digging. Come and argue with me about it. I'm happy to do that. You see what I'm saying? Don't just, and this is something he said, you may not like it, but if all you know about God is what you heard from this platform, you don't know God. You must know God. You. This will reinforce that, but he will not give it to you. It, it's not possible. I'm making, I play the guitar. Does that mean you're praising? Not actually. <laughs> Until you're praising, you're not praising. I guess you know what I'm talking about. Okay. All right. Black Horse. Ah, that was one of my faves. Um, when he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come. And I looked, and behold, a black horse, and its rider had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard what seemed to be a voice in the midst of the four living creatures. I love those guys. I'd love to see them. Um, saying, a quart of wheat for a denarius, three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil and wine. That's nice and confusing, isn't it? Isn't that great? I just love that. Yeah, it's real poetic. What does it mean, man? Um, it, you know, the scriptures are so wonderfully hidden in their beauty. He hides it in beauty. He doesn't hide it in ugly. He hides it in beauty. So I said, oh, God, I need to hear this. So the, the Bob's word was depression. So I thought it was sad, but he's not saying sad. He's talking depression, financial depression uh, is coming. But what turns out, the guy was not actually carrying a pair of scales. He was carrying balance. I didn't realize that before. The actual translation is balance. That means the black horse is bringing a balance in finance. For who? Guess who? The church. Are things out of balance now? I mean, we say, oh, a whole day's wage for a loaf of bread. That's darn close to what we're doing now. And how many know that the whole imbalance of finance worldwide, which scares all of us to death and so on and so forth and all that sort of thing. In God's economy, he is bringing the church into financial balance. Is that making sense? Do you understand all of that? Uh, that kind of thing. Now, that means those who lean over, trust in, and rely on God. Well, you can't, you know, <laughs> pray but keep rowing. You know that old story. Um, we are being brought into the strongest test the church has ever known called believe God. Not believing in him, but believing him. Believing what he says. We all believe in him. We all believe in Jesus. We just don't believe what he says. 
Love one another. How about that one? Yeah, that's good. That's really good. A lot of people really need to learn that, don't you think? And that's how we pass that one off. I don't need that. I don't need to do that because I'm really nice to myself. Um, you see what I mean. And as long as I'm nice to me, in my opinion, then I must love everybody. But he didn't tell, love all those that love you and you're all having a nice reciprocal, you know, how about loving your enemies? Hey, yeah, yeah. You know, I still want to kill the person that's shortchanged me or done something wrong to me. Anyone? Do you think we have a little growing to do in that area? So we have a black horse that's about to come, that is coming, actually is here. This balance of finance is actually already happening, by the way. And we have another scripture that goes on to say, did you not know that the wicked are storing up wealth for the righteous? You remember that? Now, there's no reason for the wicked to want to store up wealth for you and me, is there? There's not a reason on the earth until we become a good investment. Do you understand that? You know, at some point or another, where we, we live out in the country, and if you want a barn built, you call the Mennonites. And you'll get the best built barn that can be made. And the price will be fair, and everything about it will be full of integrity. Well, what do we do? Well, we call the Mennonites. Simple. Doesn't take a genius to work this out. We're going to need to be those people. If you want the best there is, you need to get a, get a hold of a church. You need to find some Christians because that's going to be the best that there is. That's called investing in the righteous. Which means for us to hang on to the integrity that God has placed in our basic DNA. It's right inside of you. And I have a whole other teaching on why it's inside of you. It was put there before you were born. The integrity of God was put in your life. You can like that, or you can argue with it, but it's a reality nonetheless. Are you okay? And this thing is right here facing us now. Then we have this other little part that says, and they yelled from behind the little dealy bob, wherever they were, do not harm the oil and wine. Well, no, that makes perfect sense to me. <laughs> you don't want to be harming any wine or any oil, you know what I mean. Well, it turns out the oil means the anointing, obviously. We, we are kind of aware of that, but it means that do not harm. Harm means to destroy um, uh, or surprise it. Do you remember the scripture when Jesus was asked, who would betray you? Do you remember that at all in uh, Matthew? when the disciples were kind of bumbling around trying to figure out what's going to happen next, and Jesus said, someone would betray me. So the disciples are all going, who would betray you? And Jesus answers this in two of the Gospels. The one who puts his hand in the bowl with me will betray me. Well, in the time of, the, in those days, especially near Passover, oil, the oil was a bowl in the middle of the table. It was called a common bowl, meaning everyone put they're bred in there to soften it because it's unleavened. Uh, and that's how you drink. Nobody put their hands in it because it would turn rancid quickly. But they only put bread in it. For Jesus to use the words hands, he was saying something. And so the word hand means to grasp at power. Grasping power is a little literal definition of the word hand. 
So Jesus is saying, the one who grasps at the power when I reach for it will betray me. That's called don't reach for the anointing when it's hot. Am I making good sense? So today we had a wonderful time of worship. Unless I missed something, God was quite present in here. Am I everybody kind of on that same page? Anybody not think he was present here today? No, nope. doesn't make you a sinner. Just means your spirit needs a little slap upside the head. That's all. Um, and it awakens. Our spirits are what senses the power and the presence of God. And then it manifests through the soul into the body. And then the flesh begins to weep. And that's how we know God. That's how we sense him. We sense it from our spirit. If you don't, then your spirit needs to be called to the front. That's all. It's not a complicated issue. Just call it to the front. Spirit, lead me today. My spirit, Don, lead me, and he will listen to the Holy Spirit, and he will pay attention to what he says, and he will tell my soul, we better start obeying this. You understand that? And that's how this works. That's a long, lot of teaching right there in two seconds. And so, do not harm the oil. That means don't try to grab at the anointing, and the anointing is rising. Has you noticed within the last few months how the presence and the anointing of it is rising? Anyone? But this is getting thicker. It isn't getting thinner. Yeah, I'm just talking about a perfect Sunday, because then we worship Sunday. We're not here to worship Sunday or a good meeting, by the way. We're here to worship the living God, and he, as a result of our worship and the desire, comes and he's present. That's actually the opposite of the truth. Isn't that funny? God is always present. We're just not always capable of seeing him. And so what happens when we come together is that you are pushing back all of your distractions sooner, and you're pushing it back more effectively, and all you see when that gets pushed back is, oh, there he is. Do you understand that? That's what the gathering is for. That's what authority is for. That's what anointing is for. Push back the darkness, the junk you brought in with you from a week's worth of whatever, and all that junk got shoveled out the back door, and you now go, whoa, there's my king. And there's no other results except, ah, hands raised, Faces broken, lives just in tears over an awesome master. Make sense? That's what's happening. Don't harm that anointing. Don't surprise it, as it says, nor grab at it. It is not yours to control. I know this makes sense. And it'll only be under the governing of those who run this church. You can like that or you can lump it, but that's God's economy. He runs it under governmental authority. He who is in charge is only there because God put them there. Might be doing a horrible job, but God put them there. So you're not fighting them. You're fighting God if you don't like it. Anybody? You guys get along pretty good in here. I can say that in some places and knives come at the stage, you know. <laughs> boom, boom. <laughs> some places that is not a good thing to say. Um, do not harm the oil and the wine. I saw the wine represents several things. One of them is the blood of Jesus. Do not besmirch the blood of Jesus under any conditions. Do not 
use it lightly nor speak of it lightly. When you try, when we say in the name of Jesus, under the blood, it's a great thing to pray. Do not flippantly ever, ever, ever say that because it's the Father who gave this sacrifice and you are punching the Father for what he gave. Making sense? Did that make sense to you? And when we say in the name of Jesus, we mean in the character and the reputation. That's what the word name means. Character and the reputation of Jesus. So when you're praying and you ask, that word ask means the inferior seeking the superior. Did you ever hear of that? The word ask means the inferior is seeking the superior in the character and in the reputation of Jesus. You do that, you'll get what you're asking for. You get in there thinking, hey, man, I own this. I got this. And we sling his name into something that we're not even really paying attention to. We just want to apply his name to it. Get what this is doing? Are you okay? All right. Am I hurting anybody's feeling? It's good. I'll get there, I hope. Um, <laughs> so... The Father is going to generate finances. It's going to make the church a place of jealousy, which it's supposed to be. Jealous of who you know, not jealous of the money you have. And we did get off track some thousands and thousands of years ago where it was, at one point, there was a church that was considering buying the United States um, just because they had nothing else to do with their extra money. Um, and so can you even imagine that concept? That is not what God is balancing the financial events for. Anybody figured that out? Uh, this is about harvest. The king is all kind of stuck on the harvest thing. <laughs> Figure that out. He's all about saving the world. And he is not going to stop until that comes to pass. Anybody okay with that idea? We might as well get on that page because that's the page God's on. If you want to follow this guy, there's where he's going. And... We keep thinking we're going to save the world. You might want to get that out of your head. He's going to save the world, and he's going to use us in some form or another to, to fulfill what he said. It might be play the guitar in the back room. It might be praying in a far-end closet in the house. That might be how the end times comes to pass for you. You see what I'm saying? And if you're not walking that out, then you're not obeying the Father. You hear me. Oops. Our final horse is the pale horse, which is panic, my favorite, panic. And that scripture is, when he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, come, and I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and its rider's name was death. Nice name to have. Um, and Hades was following him. They were given authority over a fourth of the earth to kill with the sword and with famine and with pestilence and by the wild beasts of the earth. That sounds incredibly pleasant to me. Um, the real word isn't pale horse, it's mildew. The actual word is mildew. Mildew is a sign of a curse. That doesn't mean the mildew in your bathroom means you're cursed, <laughs> by the way. It means there's too much moisture in there that's not escaping, okay? Is that, are you okay with that? You're not under a death curse because there's mildew in your house. Let's get over that for a second. When God, in Deuteronomy 28, when he is pushing people out of a nation, he will bring 
a mold and a mildew on their lives. And that is a sign of his curse. One of the many, 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 many signs that he will bring. He's bringing disease, wasting disease and fever, inflammation, one of my faves, and fiery heat, yes, and a drought with blight. And oh yeah, mildew. Thank you. So if you make it through the blight and the, all the rest of that stuff, the mildew is a demo. You see what I mean? So it's, these are signs. Now, his name was mildew, meaning I carry a curse. I'm, you, you hear, again, we're talking about the lost world. Am I making any sense to you? Now, this all sounds like us and them, and we don't want to be separate. I think I would want to be separate. You understand what I'm trying to get at? I think a better place is to not be unidentifiable from the world. Because that's why nothing's changed, is we're not identifiable, identifiably different from the world. Is that making sense to you? You know what I mean. So he goes on to say, do not harm these things. And I, and I, as I looked at, or not, I'm sorry, the pale horses, he goes on to talk about he's going to destroy, has authority over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword. That's the word again. Hmm. Uh, and with famine. Now there's a, there's a hunger coming for the word of God. Has anyone felt that coming on you in these last bit? That's the famine that he's speaking of. Now, there is a natural famine, but for us, it's the famine for the Word of God. And it's not going, we're not too far away from the Word of God, this book being sort of outlawed because of its, the world sees it as radical. Like radical Islam. Here's the, here's the deal. It's a fair deal. We'll get rid of radical Islam, but we'll have to get rid of radical Christianity at the same time. But it'll make it all nice and fair. We're back to the year 120 A.D. That's what, how the church started. What we know is the Christian church started with, it's only fair that we don't condemn anybody and we accept everybody, and we call that the universal church. Worship God in any possible way or whatever God you deem natural for you to worship. That's how the universal church started. Universal is an English word for the Greek word Catholic. That's where it came from. And every Christian church on the planet came from that DNA. It's easy for us to do that. Am I making any sense? And so, I'll get off this trick. Here's the good news about the pale horse. <laughs> There's nothing nice about the pale horse or the, you know what I mean? We're all thinking, yeah, you gotta kill, gotta kill. Under the wing of the Lord, Psalm 91 exists. We exist under the wing of the Lord, under the power of his grace. We had a storm out in our area where we are, a pretty big one, a, a, a hurricane, or a tornado rather, um, October, it was in October, and we have a prayer house up on the hill and that kind of stuff, which I spend a lot of time in and wait on God and so on and so forth. It makes me sound incredibly holy. So far, it has not done that. Only God and his incredible sacrifice has given me any holiness at all. No deed that I do on a number of occasions has made me holy at all. Only the king and his choice 
and he chooses and he said, I will make you holy as I am, that means that's a done deal. Anybody okay with that? So that's what I mean by that. So the storm hit and it knocked down more than 100 trees, just took them up out of the ground and tipped them over, tipped them over all over the place. And I looked at all that after the storm. storm took like 10 minutes. And I walked around going, oh my God, look at this awesome mess. Not a branch fell on our buildings, our house or our buildings or the, or the prayer center. Not one thing. Actually, didn't even disturb anything on the porch. From here to that wall was a huge tree laying down, and the stuff on the porch wasn't even blown around. I kept saying, Lord, and he just said, I told you that there would be storms, but it would not come nigh your house. And man, he was proving it. Then he, I looked around, and I thought, man, if I had seen this happening, this would have scared the stupid out of me. And the Lord simply said in his beautiful style, if you had feared, you would have drawn it into your house. It's time to get over our fear. It's time to get over our fear and begin to trust God. I know circumstances will test that, but you cannot not trust the master at this point. This is not bad news. This is actually good news. I'll let you go. Pray for this house to see the goodness of their God. And I pray that they find your spirit and I ask that you give them the courage to stand strong when the father releases the horsemen on the slab I will stand with you Lord of life I will hold my heart up Though I may find a day that I fall to fear, I will not lay down my life till I see a spirit raging across this land. As the dry, dry ground gives up its water and the life of Jesus Christ slain lamb Amen Amen Bless you guys